0: You for choosing iChurch Sermon Podcast. We invite you to get ready, get ready, get ready for what God has to say to you today. God will speak to me. Come on, today, God will speak to me, and I will be iChurch. Babu, come on, give a give a hand of praise to God. All right, all right, you guys may be seated, you guys may be seated. I want to show you guys, today I want to start, and you guys know that um, usually people know me and people, when they think about me, they think that I'm weird, uh, because I do weird stuff whenever I'm up here, when I'm preaching, I do weird stuff, and uh, I was looking the other day online, and I found something really weird, and I thought, this is worth sharing. They just found the most dangerous animal in the world, worse than any animal that you ever thought y'all think i'm kidding man that's for real supposedly just they're gonna make a movie of these things supposedly what it does is that while you're swimming uh uh you know that like women and men you guys have hormones and stuff if you're in the water and you know that you go to the beach and you normally like just do number one in the water most of you okay be real be real god is looking don't lie all right and what happens is that it follows that smell, it goes to you, and with a touch of its little right hand, it can kill you immediately. Five seconds tops. It touches you, and it sends a poison all over your body to where your, your, your eyes, like, get super red and everything, and boom, dead. Isn't that crazy? That thing is so cute. I wish I could take it home and, like, play with him. You know, the, the, the little game, what's that called? The, the game of the hands that they sing a song. What's the song they sing with? What? Okay, isn't there a song? No? That's what I want to do. With that little thing, with my two little fingers. And then they found the friendliest animal in the world. Dude, you're not going to believe that crap. The friendliest animal in the world. Most friendly than a dog. They believe that this can be man's new best friend. (laughs) Straight up. Straight up. Isn't that crazy? Look at that animal, that thing. Man's best friend. Soon they're going to have it in Disney, I bet, and you're going to be able to swim with that thing. That'd be legit. Church, also, are you for real? Heck no. That is not man-friendly as animal. And the other one, the other little cute one, it is not the worst, dangerous, most animal in the world. Also, you lied to it from the altar. I have a point, dude. Just chill. What I'm trying to say is that let me, so today I want to talk to you guys about connection. Today I want to speak to you guys about connection and communication in the house. Can, there's, there is, listen to the statement. I want to start with this and I want to end with this. There is no communication if you do not have connection. There is no communication if you do not have connection. Look at the one next to you and be like, hey, listen up, listen up. It's for real. There is no communication if you don't have connection. I put that up front, in front of you guys. And because I know that in Young United is full of curious people, as soon as you saw it, you were like, what the heck is that? And because I made a connection with your interest, because I made a connection with who you are, I was able to communicate, even though it was a lie. Some of you knew that it was a lie. Others of you didn't, but you were acting like you did. You're like, nah, no way, no way. And in the end, you were like, well, be real, be real. You know, we connect, and if we connect, we can communicate. And today I want to speak to you guys about that. We're going to start a series called At the Table. Say with me, At the Table. At the table. Come on, guys, say with me, At the, At the Table. And this series is for families, and it is inspired by this portion in the Bible that I want to give you guys a little bit of background on this series. It is inspired by, by this portion in the Bible. There's this woman in Second Kings chapter 4, if you start reading through there, there's a Shunammite woman. And this Shunammite woman, she, she is rich, filthy rich. I'm telling you. She had a lot of money with her husband, and she had a a good relationship with the prophet. And so, what she would do is that she wanted to do something special because every time that the prophet would go by her city, she wanted the prophet to stop at her house and be with her and her husband at the house, have a conversation, have a cup of coffee, whatever it was that they were doing. She wanted a connection with the man of God. And what she did is that she came up with a master plan. And it's that she created this room, this like little suite kind of thing. And then in that little suite, she did it for Elijah, the prophet, so that Elijah could come and he could stay at her house. In this room, something really peculiar because she puts she puts a couple things how many of you want to guess one thing that she put in the room tell me something a bed a bed was the first thing that a room needs to have a bed and what are beds for usually interact with me to sleep to rest So she puts a bed in the room so that the prophet could come and he could lay down he could rest he could spend the night and and look at the other second thing that she puts in it that's really peculiar she puts a table In the room with a bed. By that time, that was super weird. Nowadays, everybody's doing that. You think, oh, a little office. By then, they didn't have no little office. She put a table for him, and it was a luxury. And so the reason that it's believed that she put that table there was so that whenever the prophet was stopped by her house, in that table, she also put a stool and she put a candlelight. And it was believed that she did that so that the prophet of God, because he had a good relationship with God and a strong connection with God, he would come bring his Bible and read the Bible in the table. He would read the Bible in the table so that the light was so that he could see the chair so that he could be comfortable and he could stay hours and hours connecting and being with God in her house. Look at how smart this lady is. What she's trying to do is to send a message so that the prophet of God would, the prophet would bring God into her house. She's purposely, consciously, intentionally trying to get the man of God into her house so that he could bring God into the house. The table represents the place where we bring God into our house, into our homes. You know, I just got married. I told y'all. I told y'all it's gonna take me a couple of weeks, okay? Every time I say that, I just got married. I'm gonna have to do this for some reason. I feel powerful. Uh the 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 the, the I just got married, and God gave me the blessing to have a, a house, and the pastor, which is also my dad, he went to the house, and so he's, he's helping me with the house and everything, and he takes his room, and he sets it up for me, and it is so peculiar because in the room, he puts a table, he puts a light, and he puts a chair, exactly the same thing that the Shinomite woman put for this guy, a table, a little light, and a, and a, and a chair. And it is so that I can sit down and I can worship God and I can read the Bible and I can have intimacy with God. And this morning as I was in my room and I was sitting down in my little table and everything, I was so happy. I was reading this story and I was like, wow, this is exactly what I have. I get to bring God into my house. I get to bring God into your home. Where is your table, church? Where is your table? Do you have a table? When we speak about a table, we're not speaking about a specific table, a, legitimately, a legitimate table where we go and we eat. When I'm speaking about the table, I'm trying to connect to the symbolism that it, that it stands for. And that is the place wherever you bring God into your family. Are you bringing God into your home? Where is your table? Your living room. Are you sitting down in your living room? Are you sitting down in your patio? Are you sitting down on the floor in your kid's room? Are you sitting down and are you bringing God into your home? Are you with me, church? You with me? You still with me? Where is the place? Are you bringing God into the equation? Are you bringing him into the room? And that's how we got to this series, At the Table. Our purpose with this series is to make sure that you understand the importance of God in family. Can you agree with that? There is a need for God in family. Can you agree with that? The society is destroying what family stands for, what family is, the way, even the way it looks. It's taking it, and it's changing it, and it's making it something completely different, and families are not lasting nothing. They're going against each other. They're fighting each other. They don't harmonize with each other, and it's more a war than a It's more enemies than a war. You know why? Because they do not have the center of love. They do not have the foundation of love, which is Father God Almighty. And because he is not in the family, because we have taken him out of the families, our families are not able to sustain, are not able to survive. Can you believe that? Are you with me, church? You're with me. Stay with me because today I want to show you guys how God has called Ichurch with this series of At the Table in a month of Thanksgiving where all the family comes together to remind you that you need to bring God into your family. And if you do, I promise you that your life is going to change. So let's start with this series and I want to take you guys to Matthew chapter 20, chapter 26 verse 20. I want you guys to go with me to Matthew chapter 26, verse 20. If you guys don't have a Bible, that's fine. You can look it up in the screen. And if you don't believe us, you can look it up in your, in your Bible to make sure that we're telling you the truth, that I can assure you that that is the case. Matthew chapter 6, verse 20, it starts like this. Jesus was with his people, and then in verse 20 it says, when it was evening, he reclined at the table with the twelve. We're talking about the Passover here, right before Jesus dies. We see how it was evening, and he got all the disciples together where? Where would he get him? He got them together at the table, all the 12. And if you keep going, in the beginning of verse 21, it says, And as they were eating, he said. So they were what? They were doing what? Interact with me. They were eating. And then whenever they were eating, Jesus said to them. Jesus, today we're not going to concentrate on what he said. Because that we're going to touch that next week. But today we're going to concentrate on the fact that he said. Jesus understands the importance of the table. Jesus understands the concept of the table, which is to get everybody together. And as soon as he gets them together, he wants to communicate. Your family will not survive if you do not communicate. Communication is key. And anybody can tell you that. Any basic person, any logical person can tell you that you need to communicate with your family to be able to survive in this this crazy world. And communication, let me explain to you a little bit what communication is. Communication is anything that you might reflect or you might express and it, and it, and it's understood by someone else. This is not communication. Okay, let's try with you guys. You know Spanish. <laughs> this is not communication. Hola, mi nombre es <laughs> José Rodríguez. Estoy aquí para darte una palabra poderosa, una palabra que te va a cambiar tu vida y te va a llevar a niveles que tú nunca has llegado. Tú puedes. Cámbiate los zapatos, ponte zapatos azules, que los zapatos azules te harán ver un poquito mejor. Not all of you understood what I said. I promise I didn't say nothing bad or I didn't curse your mom or nothing like that. (laughs) I respect. all right? I'll tell you later what I said. Okay, I'll tell you now. I told you to change your shoes to blue because you look better in blue, okay? Not true, not true. Don't do that, please. I'm talking to you, and if unless you understand what I'm saying, there is no communication between you and me. Communication does not require words. You with me? Communication does not require words. You can communicate to people, and you see this a lot in relationships, in boyfriend and girlfriend. You see this a lot in relationships. Boyfriend, girlfriend, so let me tell you something. You're going to be my girlfriend, bro. <laughs> Somebody shoot me. <laughs> if you're, with your, if you're with, your, with, your, with your girlfriend, okay, and all of a sudden, and all of a sudden, she does this. Not good news. You did something, bro. I'm helping you out. If you're like this, and then all of a sudden she does this, you did something. She's communicating to you, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and you got to open your eyes because at any given point, <laughs> she'll kill you. Let's it. You're done. You're out. A bag over your face. James Bond. You're done. You know? Communication, it doesn't have to be with words. Let me give you something else of communication. If all of a sudden you're sweeping your house and, and you're... <laughs> 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 if you're sweeping your house, hopefully you're not doing it like this, okay? But if you are sweeping your house and your parents walk in and they do this... It's about to go down. Something bad is going to happen. You're like, what am I doing? What am I doing? I'm sleeping. But he, the, you did something wrong. They communicated to you that you messed up. If you're in the street and a gangster, all of a sudden, you see Mike Tyson. <laughs> he turns around and he goes. <laughs> <laughs> Communication is about to go down with Mike Tyson, all right? Better call Koto or somebody, but you're going to need help. You're going to need somebody. Communication is not words, church. Say it with me. Communications is communication is not words. Is anything that you express, anything that you reflect to somebody and they understand, they get the picture. So if you're always talking to your wife or to your husband and they don't get the picture, are you communicating? No, you're not communicating. Communication is crucial. And here's, my, here's the bone that I have to pick. You know that communication is crucial. I know that communication is crucial. But we don't give it the importance that we need. When was the last time that you legitimately sat down with your whole family and you talked to them about what you're going through? When was the last time you were vulnerable to your family and you told them, listen, I'm going through this. I don't have money. I don't have financial situations. Everybody's constantly blaming the youth. Everybody's constantly blaming the youth because the youth, oh, you guys are so responsible. You guys are so this. We never learned about life. We were stuck in a little room where nothing bad happened and the world was good and everything was wonderful because not, and nobody was vulnerable to us. Nobody showed us what, 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 what we needed to do. Youth, your parents might not understand you. All the youth that are in this room, your parents might not understand you. Instead of getting upset at your parents, get the picture that you don't ever communicate to them. How are they supposed to understand you if you don't tell them what you truly want, what you truly mean? Communication is crucial. And for good communication, there needs to be a connection. I want you guys to go with me to Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to put it up there on the screen. And we're going to read it. And I'm going to show you guys some keys for you to be able to connect with your family. So if there's any encouragement in who? If there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Paul is talking to this church and Paul is telling them, listen, 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 listen. If there's this blank, which we don't know what it is, we say uh, encouragement in Christ, comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit. If there is blank in you, and then he's going to explain later what, what is he talking about. But as you see in the verse, the first thing that he mentions must be the most crucial, and that is that if there's any encouragement in Christ, any encouragement in Christ. When you go to the original, the way that it explains it, it says any union, any connection with Christ. The first thing you're going to need in life to be able to succeed is that you need to connect with Jesus and with God. You are not going anywhere if you do not connect with God. You, it's impossible for you to communicate with your family. Listen up. It is impossible for you to bring anything good to your family or your workplace or your finances if there is not a legit connection with God. Because the Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 17, that everything that is good, everything that is pleasing comes from the Lord. So if you're not producing anything good, then you might not have a connection with what is good, which is God. If you see yourself and all that you can produce in your house is pain and anger and, 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 and bad things, you don't have a connection with God. Don't pretend to have a real big, happy family if you don't have a real big, happy connection with Jesus. Don't pretend it's not going to happen. And then the second, the second reason why you need a big connection with God in, in terms of speaking of family is because the Bible says in, in the Bible says in First John chapter four, that God is what? That God is what? God is love. What he's saying is that the essence of the Father, listen up, the essence of God himself, it is love. So you cannot love if you don't have God. Because it doesn't exist. It's not anything other than God. People that don't know God, they think that they have love, but the second that they understand Jesus and the second that they accept Jesus in their life as their Savior, they can see how they didn't know what love was in the first place. That's why you can't possibly have a happy marriage without understanding God first. God is love. He is what's going to provide the secret sauce for your marriage to sustain, the secret sauce for your relationship with your kid to sustain. You need to be able to understand love, to be able to love, and for that, you need Christ. You need a connection with Jesus. You need to be close to him. And you might be thinking, how do I connect this way? How do I connect with this man called Jesus? How do I connect? This, This is the best part. How do you connect to Jesus? How can you maintain a connection with Jesus? This is what I'm going to say, because what I'm going to say, nobody else has told you. If you're with me, clap. If you're with me, clap. If you're not, don't. Okay, that was confusing. Right? That was confusing. Good job, Gio. Good job. You got it. You're smart, okay? Somebody give him a candy. You know, you need, you need to be able to be, have a connection with God. And a connection with God, the base of a connection with God, means your comprehension that is not your ways, it is his ways. Your willingness, that it's not your ways, it is his ways. Before prayer, before reading the Bible, before fasting, before worshiping, before retreats, the one thing that you need to be able to understand and connect with God, it is to know that it is not your ways, it is God's ways. You need to be able to sit down and no matter what happens, say, God, is whatever you say. And you might be thinking, Josue, that's not the way. Well, let me take you to the Bible so I can explain to you a little bit more. Whenever you go to the life of Job, all of a sudden, Job is sitting in his house. I want you to envision this. Job is sitting, eating, and all of a sudden, a lady comes running and tells him, Hey, all of your kids, all of your whatever, however many kids he had, died. They were in a house. There was an earthquake, and the roof fell on them, and it killed them all. And then another lady comes running. Hey, you're bankrupt. You lost all of your money. Then another lady comes running. Hey, by the way, you're sick. Hey, this is happening. This is happening. Anything that could possibly go wrong went wrong with Job. Whenever you think you're having a bad day, read Job. <laughs> He'll be so grateful. He'll be like, thank you, Jesus. You love me. <laughs> Job had it bad, dude. Job was going through so much trouble. And at the end of it all, when he was laying down in the floor, he yelled out, God gave and God took away. God is everything. Job understood that no matter what happened to him, it had to be God's way. And he, at the end of the day, he reconnected with Jesus and God blessed him. And then you go to the life of Paul. Everybody knows Paul. He wrote half of the Bible. If you don't know all the half, most half of the Bible, it was written by Paul. A lot of little letters. Then you have Paul. And Paul, the Bible says how he had a weakness inside of him. He had something that was tormenting him. And the Bible says how he was he would lay down on the floor, and he would ask God three times to remove this weakness, to remove this thing that was given to him, this demon that was tormenting him. He told God, God, take this away from me. I don't want it anymore. And God answers back, my grace is sufficient to you. I got you, man. Just trust me, because in your weakness, my power is made perfect. And, and Paul, instead of pleading with him, no, come on, God, bull crap. You can take this away from me. You're all powerful. I don't need to live with this. Paul looks back at heaven. And he says, "Okay, in my weakness, you remain powerful. So let me live with my weakness. Let me live in pain. If I'm in, the, if I'm in prison, that my prison shall glorify you. If I'm, if I'm getting beat up, then my, that every time I get beat up, your name your, your name should be shall be glorified." Paul understood. And last but not least, the man, Jesus, the dude. Whoop! Give it up for Jesus. Give it up for Jesus. That was weak, man. <laughs> It's okay. I forgive you guys. Jesus, the Bible says how he wanted to die. (laughs) That's it. He's done. I don't want to live no more. I don't want my life no more. You see Jesus? Yeah, in the Garden of Gethsemane, he nails down. He kneels down. He says, God, I don't want to live anymore. My pain is so much. I'm sweating legit blood, and I don't want to live no more. God, if it is possible, take this and don't make me do this. Please don't make me do this. But it is not my will. It should be your will. It is not what I want. It is what you want. As you can see, all of them kneeled down and prayed. And you might be thinking, yeah, swear, it's prayer. But before the prayer, you need to get, ha- get clear in your head that it is what God wants for you. It is what God's ways and not your ways. And if you get to understand that, your connection with God will be deep, will be intense. Amen? Your connection with God will be deep and will be intense. It is not what you want. It is what God wants. Amen? You need to believe it inside of you. But this connection comes with a price. This connection comes with difficulty. It's not like you can just do it. What I am saying, what if you leave this place? How many of you have dogs? How many of you have dogs? How many of you love your dog? At the count of three, yell out the name of your dog. One, two, three. All of them were with S. <laughs> dogs. You, you have dogs. Give me your dog. I didn't, give me your dog. Sky. You love Sky? A lot. He's amazing. What if all of a sudden I bring him up here? What would you do? That's legit happiness right there. (laughs) If anybody ever answers, I'd be happy. They're happy. They are happy. What if all of a sudden we're sitting down right here, and I bring Sky, and he's dead in my arms. And I bring him, and I put him in your lap, and he's dead. How much you understand that it is not your ways, it is God's way. It's what's going to determine the level of connection that you have with God. In, thin, in bad situations in life, instead of going against God, you should be with God and understand that he will take control no matter how bad the situation is. But because people don't understand that, they go against God and then they don't have a connection with God. Then they don't know. They live their life bitter. We saw Jenny Hudson stand up here last week and give her testimony on how her son drowned in the pool. Her three-year-old son drowned in the pool. And in times of pain, what she was saying is that you can either let it make you bitter or let it make you better now the connection between her and God was made stronger because she knew it is not my ways it is your ways whatever you want Jesus because you know what's best for me in times of difficulty somebody needs to stand up and say my God will provide my God will come through my God will not let me go he is my pastor he is amazing and he's got my back your God my God he's got our back church how many of you are happy because God has our back God has you and he has me that is connection with God, understanding that He won't let you go. And whenever you manage to connect with God, whenever you manage to connect with God, that connection will provide in you a better life. It will give you a better life. And then it, that's step number one. Step number one, you need to connect with God. Say with me, connect with God. Say with me, connect with God. And then when you read verse number two, He keeps going. When you go to Philippians chapter 2, you read verse number 2. And it says, complete my joy by by being of the same mind. The same what? Having the same love. The same what? Being in full accord and of one mind. The second thing that you're going to need to be able to have a flowing communication in your life is to understand. To understand that you both need to be in the same mind. You need to be in the same mind. And when you keep reading, look at what it says in verse 3. Look at what it says in verse 3. Do not, do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Count others more significant than yourself. This is a part nobody likes. You want to fix your marriage? You want to fix your life? You want to fix your wife? It's not about you. You got to understand that it's not always about you you know why marriages fail let me give you an illustration you know why marriages fail because you give options that are not real you give options and they're not real you say where do you want to go eat i want to go eat no matter what that person says you have a count back because you already know where you want to eat it's not the case these couples never know where they want to eat right it stinks that's not the case but where what you speak to your wife, you speak to your husband, you speak to your parents, and you are not really giving them a chance to understand what you're saying. You're just speaking, and you just want to have it your way, and it doesn't matter their opinion. And what Paul is saying, if you two get in the same mind, if you two get in the same love, if you two get compromise for each other and deny yourself for each other, the communication and the connection will flow, and your family will come to flow. But you need to understand that that is crucial in your marriage. And that is needed in your marriage. Needed. It doesn't matter how much you know. It doesn't matter. I read this from this 21 laws of irrefutable, uh, 21 laws of irrefutable leadership. And when you read this book in a part that says the law of connection, this man, MacArthur, sits down and he explains how people don't, people don't care how much you know. People care how much you care. Your wife doesn't care how much money you make. Your husband should not care how much deep down inside. They don't care how much you do, what you do, how good you cook, how much you know your authority, your position. What they care is how much you love them, how much you can show your love to them, how much you can appreciate. How much are you showing that you love God and that you love your wife and that you love your husband and that you love your kids? We're talking about family. Do you care for them? Do you love them? Would you give them anything? And then Jesus says in Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. We've all heard that saying that says, don't do what you don't like to be done, right? or Something like that. Don't do what you don't like others to do to you. For me, that's level one. When you don't do something, when I don't hit Pastor you because I don't want him to hit me back, I'm not really doing anything, anything good. I'm just being respectful. I'm just being a human being. I'm controlling myself. Loving Pastor Chu as I love myself is doing something for him that I want him or somebody else in the future to do to me. Everything you do in life is you cultivate seeds. And what you do is that that same something that you want to be done to you. Whenever me and Hannah started dating, good old days. Whenever me and Hannah started dating at the beginning, I would ask her parents for things that I didn't think I needed to ask. To this point, do I open your fridge? I don't open the fridge of her parents' house I don't open the door without somebody ringing the bell. The, you know how there's like the door and then there's like a glass door? They would all make fun of me. Because I always walk up, right, Rachel? I always walk up to the glass thing and I ding, ding, and I turn around to respect privacy. And they're like, we're all sitting here, dude. We can see you. Open the freaking door. I sit down and I'm like, excuse me, uh, can I have a paper towel? And they're like, dude, there's paper towels right there. Just grab him. Miss Parker gets upset with me. I still call her Miss Parker. She gets upset with me. And you know why I do that? I do that even though sometimes I think I could open the door and I could open the fridge and nothing nothing bad will happen. Because it's respectful. I've earned my respect. But you know why I won't do it? Because one day I'm going to have a little girl. And what I did for Hannah, I want somebody to do for me. It's not that I didn't do to Mr. Parker what I don't want somebody to do to me. I did to Mr. Parker what I want somebody to do to me. I want the guy that's gonna come get my girl to stand and even though the door is right open, he doesn't step foot in my house until I say go. He doesn't get a paper towel until I say take it. Why, so are you are you that control freak? No, I want my I want my, my daughter to have a better husband than I am. I want her to be happy, I want her to be awesome, I want her, I want her husband to be. boom, <laughs> No other word. Baboom. I, what? Explode. I want him to well no <laughs> No, bro. <laughs> I want, I want, I want to have an awesome. He said that he want, he wants him to explode. No, I want, to, I want him to live, okay? Uh, you know, you gotta do what you want somebody to do to you. Take it a step further. Take it a step further. You have you ever thought about this? Where you sit down and you cross your leg? I see people doing this all the time, especially women. Okay, not, not, not hating, not hating. I'm just saying. They sit down, and they're like. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> and they want you to ask him. You see, when they want you to ask him, you don't ask him. Be like, <coughs> What happened to me today? <laughs> what happened to me today? Uh, what happened to you? <coughs> it's been two months and my mom doesn't call me. Two months. She hasn't even said hello to me. Have you ever wondered? you wonder that your mom might be <laughs> in her chair. <laughs> Two months and my daughter hasn't called me. Have you ever wondered? Doesn't it go both ways? Have you ever thought about that? My son never speaks to me. My dad never speaks to me. If one is not doing it, the other isn't either. It goes both ways. Instead of waiting for somebody to do something about the case, instead of waiting for somebody to do something in your home, and your family, for your wife to apologize for what she did 10 years ago, don't be bitter. Don't be... Just get up, go to your wife, apologize to your wife, apologize to your husband, get the situation mended, and keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Imagine if Jesus would have done what you do to people to you. Imagine if Jesus would have been like, repentance? No, I ain't giving them repentance until they ask for forgiveness. It doesn't work that way. If not, none of us would be forgiven. Jesus came to the cross of Calvary and died for your sins and my sins to give us repentance before we ask for forgiveness, to give us salvation before we ask for salvation. Jesus was proactive and he knew that what he needed to do needed to be done and he was going to do it. He connected with you, he connected with your sin and he communicated through the Bible and the cross of Calvary that you are saved, that you have life, that you are redeemed and that he has called you for something great and amazing. That's what Jesus did for you. Why don't you do the same thing for others? My calling to you today, I'm concluding, I have 15 seconds left. My calling for you today, be like Jesus. When you get at the table with your family, wherever that is, tell them that you love them. Tell them that he's wonderful. And I promise you that right now, Jesus, listen to me, listen to me. If you haven't listened to the whole thing, Jesus will save your family. Jesus will save your family just call him just tell him to come and he'll do it for you church please close your eyes and bow your head and today I want to do a calling for you guys today I want to do a calling for you guys I'm not going to ask you to come down here into the altar but I do want to invite you today to open your heart to Jesus and allow him to come to your house so you can ha- learn how to connect with your family there's someone here that needs to say, that needs to ask for forgiveness to your mom, to your dad, that is someone in the room that needs to be proactive and go out in the world and regain what's yours because the devil and Satan wants to take your wife from you, wants to take your husband from you wants to snatch it from you and there are times that you feel that there is no hope and I am telling you that our hope is in Jesus Christ and if you all oh, you open your heart to him he will save your family he will save your daughter your son, your relationship, your future your present and he will mend your past that is what my Jesus does your hope is in him, it is not in yourself it is not in this world and it is not in your ability all you need to do is say Jesus come to my life and help me do this help me get the bravery and the courage I need to, 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 to recover my daughter there's somebody in this chair that you lost your daughter. Listen to me, listen to me. There's some people here, There's the, the, the Holy Spirit tells me that there's a man here that feels like he has lost her daughter. You can see him. You can see her. She's alive, but you feel like you don't have her anymore. You feel like you lost your connection and you lost your hope with him. And you feel like that is it, that you're done. You feel like you lost her. And I'm here to tell you, ask Jesus to tell you what to say to her ask him to tell you what to do for her where to look for her and how to win over her love how to communicate that you love her love her right there where you are church i want to invite you to stand up with your eyes closed i want everybody to stand up if you if you may i want you to stand up If you would like to learn more about iChurch OKA Ministries, please visit our website at www.ichurchOKA.com.